Hey, Greg. Hey, Andrew. We have a special guest. Uh, you mean we're not going to talk about Evangelion? Sorry, dude. We need to take a little bit of a break. Mm. It's not like we're at the conclusion or anything. Mm. But I, I, I've got so much Evangelion to talk about. I know you do. You always do. And I think you always <laughs> will. <laughs> oh, we do have a guest, though, don't we? Yeah, and she's a very special person in your life. I guess you could say that. <laughs> Karen, welcome to the show again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, this is the first time I've actually been on the show with you. That's true. You you, you did stand in for me for, I believe it was the Logan review way back when. Yes, it was, uh, I think, a March. Like when, I think the March, like early March the movie came out. I was very pregnant and oh, you were gone. I was gone. Yes. And we, we recorded in the basement and it was just, I was... So nervous. I had all these notes and stuff, and I have no notes this time. But <laughs> I actually have a follow up about that, but we'll come back to it. Okay. But, uh, for now, um, so I guess where we're going to start here is that we have a big announcement, Greg. Yeah, we do. Karen doesn't even know about it. Karen doesn't even know about nope. it. Nope. Oh, cool. Are all you right. divorcing me? <laughs> yeah, we said we're just recording a couples therapy session on here with me yeah. as the me- mediator. So strap in. <laughs> Uh, no, our big announcement, and this is what's spawning this episode, is that we have been working on for far longer than it should have taken. Which <laughs> yeah, is, which a is my lot fault. Longer than it should have taken. No, it's both of our faults. Uh, we are launching a website. Hey, congratulations! Yeah, um, you probably may have noticed some weird goings on with your, uh, you know, the whatever podcast app you use and hosting things. Maybe seen some duplicates of things. That's because we are switching our hosting from SoundCloud to Squarespace, and we decided collectively that we wanted to have a medium to maybe explore some projects or some creative content that wouldn't necessarily fit on the podcast format. Uh, So you can expect, at the bare minimum, some articles from us in the near future, and we'll be launching the website in conjunction, well, it's launched, but revealing it publicly in conjunction with the release of this episode. Uh, so Greg and I will both have an article up to start, and then we'll be more to come from there. And this process got me thinking about writing, because writing's hard. And I decided that I wanted to bring on Greg's wife, Karen, to talk about being a writer on the internet, because that's her job. It is my job. It's been my job for a couple of years now, too. So uh, yeah, I know I'll, a lot. Wanted to bring <laughs> on the expert. So... Before we jump into that, though, Karen, for the viewers, besides being married to a strange doppelganger of your husband. <laughs> oh, uh, with the voice? Yeah. yeah, yeah, because he went into a medical facility and came out a different person for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's see. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Um, I went to college at Millersville. That's where I met Greg. And uh, Andrew, I met you later, kind of through associations. We didn't go to college at the same time. Uh, I had a couple bad jobs after that. And then after a couple of years, I decided that I wanted to kind of be my own boss. And I had the opportunity to uh, when I started writing. And uh, let's see what else. We have a a kid who's pretty cool and a dog and a cat. And I own a newt. And I've had that newt for 16, wait, no, more than 16 years. I got the newt when I was 16. So long time. (laughs) Wait, the newt has been alive for Since I was 16. Yeah. I got the newt at PetSmart when I was 16 years old. Uh, He was like I'm guessing it's a he. I don't really know how to sex a newt, but he was like three bucks and it's been the best pet. That's so weird. I did not know that. <laughs> That's usually like the surprise, like the 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 thing you don't know about me fact, because I don't really look like the kind of person who would just randomly have a newt, but he's a positive member of our family. Interesting. I didn't know newts <laughs> would live that long. Yeah. So I actually like after maybe year 10, I Googled it 
And they said like, oh, over like 15 years is kind of common. But huh. I also realized I don't really take proper care of the newt because like all the suggestions for keeping a newt alive were things that I did not do. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have to have like a good ratio from like water to land. A lot of people have like like an air tank in there. I don't do any of those things, but he still seems very happy. Well, he must be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going right. to outlive all of us. <laughs> that, I mean, maybe maybe Charlotte will have the newt someday and she'll be like, this is the only thing I have memory of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I, yeah, no, that's definitely possible. Cool. So could you uh, maybe like elaborate a little more on how you came into this line of work? Sure. I have always been writing. Like I was the, I won the fifth grade dare essay contest. And uh, I didn't think I would either. I thought I was going to win the art contest, but no. So it was a big surprise. <laughs> Very egotistical there, assuming I'd win a dare contest. But uh, like ever since I was a kid, I started writing just short stories, often modeled off of books that I read. Like I remember Agatha Christie's book, And Then There Were None, really had a big impact on me as a kid. And I wrote like a fake series just like that. And then a sequel to that, and which I didn't show anybody. Like I was so embarrassed by my own writing or it was password protected on the computer. And uh, I don't like, I wish I had those copies now just to see what it was like. But um, I also had a blog like, and it's still up now. Uh, speaking of when I was 16, I started a diary land and I just kind of just talked about my day in my life. And it's, uh, I knew offhand that I had the mentality of whatever I write here, no matter what, I have to be okay with my grandmother reading it or like someone finding it. Because once you put yourself out there, it's just something you need to prepare for. So all the things are very tame, um, somewhat comical, or at least I thought that they were back then. And uh, I still like, even though the site is pretty much defunct, my it's still up there and I've read it every once in a while. Like just, and it's a really great uh, keepsake of who I was back then and how much I've grown since. But my first article was actually for a site called Splitsider, which got uh, they recently got bought out by Vulture. And it was just about movies from my youth that did not age well, like Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. And it was just a lot of fun to write. And I realized after I submitted that and I saw like my name, not in, you know, in digital, that that was something that I really wanted to do. Interesting. So you just like on a whim, like, I'm going to try and make this work. You wrote an article and you like, how does it work? Like the process of A, getting into it, but then B, sort of like, you know, the consistency, the perpetuation of like being, because, you know, being a freelance writer on the internet. I got very lucky. Uh, <laughs> one of my dear friends um, who I talk to her every single day, her name is Jen. She was asked to be the very first editor of the site Hello Giggles. As the site, it was run by Zoe Deschanel and uh, two other influencers that were her friends. They wanted a positive place on the internet for women to write. And uh, Jen knew one of them, and they asked her to help out with the site because uh, she had some experience with the site Digital Spy beforehand. So she was the very first person to kind of set this up. And then just on a whim, I asked her, like, hey, do you need extra writers? And she was like, sure, why not? And from there, I started writing more and more. So that at first, like, it was a complete startup. Like nobody really knew what they were doing. There was like a million writers on there. Um, but eventually as time went down, like they started paying writers, they started having more of a voice. Um, and I was with the site until 2018 when they got bought out by Meredith, which is a, like Meredith bought out time. And I was unfortunately one of the layoffs in that situation. But if it wasn't for them, like if I didn't have Hello Giggles, I wouldn't really have the samples to send to other places. And I wouldn't really have the confidence in order to say like, hey, I did this. And saying I was one of the, the first contributing writers and one of the most long lasting writers is pretty cool. But we should we should also point out how you how you met Jen. 
<laughs> no, this isn't a joke. I, I mean, cool. I think that it's yeah. because you don't want to like, I, I don't think we should paint the picture that like you got into this just because you were friends with the right people. Like, no, it was completely random. I met Jen. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, Andrew, if you're familiar with that site. Well, it was a site, but Television Without Pity. No. It is one of the first TV sites of its kind. And they did funny TV recaps. And they had this like huge this forum that was just great. And it was kind of my dream. Like my dream was always to write about television or to write into like I always wanted to write for SNL too, but that was kind of like a I knew that would never happen. But you know, the, the writers for television without pity, I really idolized them. And I wanted to do what they did. And it's just to summarize something in a funny way and make people laugh. Um so I was into the site and I was into the forums and there was a forum for the show The Office. And Jen was just a friend I made through there of just, you know, two people chatting. We've, we're the same age. We both grew up in New Jersey. And uh, it was just really kind of cool to like have a friend. So we, we pretty much met each other at like completely different stages of our life. Like she was working like you know, retail. I was unemployed after college is when we started talking a lot. And it's just we've kind of built up a history since then. So she got Hello Giggles probably, I want to say, I might be wrong on this, but I want to say like five or six years after we started talking. And that forum actually uh, was a great source for a lot of friendships. Like I still play fantasy football with a bunch of people uh, from that forum on a yearly basis, even though the site is no more. Uh, we've still kept in contact and I am losing very badly this year. I'm sorry to hear that. I know. It's- but you, <laughs> you, you kind of got to this spot because you liked a certain kind of writing and then um you know that's what kind of drew you to the television without pity and then you if know, you want to get you- into the the cool the really super cool part of it is that television that pity got bought out by bravo and the creators of the site uh tara and sarah they went on to create another site called previously tv which had a kind of a similar concept and i actually got on board to write for them which was very cool. Unfortunately, that site is now no longer, but they're doing podcasts and doing wonderful things. And the forums have been moved again from Television Not Pity to previously to this new site, Primetimer. And I'm over there now writing a couple articles. I wrote one about Keenan Thompson just today. So like in a way, I was kind of able to achieve that dream. I think the whole concept of writing uh, just TV summaries and recaps it's kind of dead these days based on the fact that everyone watches tv on their own time but Mm. i still was able to kind of work with the people who really influenced me which was super cool so more logistical questions um if you don't mind of course so like how does like so now we're at your career you know be doing this for a number of years you sort of have you're you're a professional in the field and how many articles do you like how often do you write an article like How's you don't have to give like numbers, but like how's the financial model work? Like, do you get paid up front? Do you get paid at the end? I've just always been curious about these kind of things. Like, how I'm do sure. you how do you have a career profession out of, out of it? If you want to be a freelance writer, you have to look for new jobs all the time. Like, even if you're book solid, you still have to say like, I could do that for the next opportunity. Uh, especially you know, like if if the pay is good and it's something that you can do, because you never know like when that next gig is going to dry up. Like you know, when your, your gig's going to dry up or something's going to happen, and sites also change so rapidly where it's you know they want one format and the next week they call you and they're like actually we're doing this now so it's very tough and each site does uh billing differently like some of them i get paid through paypal sometimes i it's a check uh sometimes it's you know twice a month sometimes it's once a month so you have to kind of keep organizing your head like where you have to invoice and all of that like i have a spreadsheet for pretty much 
every site I write for, where I put down like when it was published, how much the rate would be. And then I kind of keep a calendar of like, okay, it's invoice day. And sometimes that can take a long time (laughs) to just make sure like, you know, do the numbers in my head, make sure everything's right. Make sure I didn't forget about an article because that happens sometimes too, where I just forgot to jot it down and I'm owed like, you know, 40 bucks somewhere and completely lost track of it. So it's tough, but you know, once you get used to it, it's manageable. But every time you sign up for a new site, it's like, okay, so what's your procedure like? Right. <laughs> More, I've, I've uh, signed so many W-9 forms in my life. It's crazy. <laughs> God, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> must be Your taxes must be a nightmare. Oh, yeah. I, I let Greg take care of all of that. <laughs> yeah. She lets me. <laughs> what a privilege. Yeah. Um, He's my accountant. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds terrible. Um, so, and like, so is it like... Do you make a rate based on like how long it takes you to write an article or like, you know, every site probably has different things. Is it more about you or is it more about the site? Like who has the onus to like set the rates and these kind of things? It's tough. Like each place is different. Like some have a set rate by word where it's like, you know, hey, we'll give you blah, blah amount for 250 to, you know, 400 words. When I have to set the rate, I always lowball myself, which is terrible. Like at this stage, I'm just so earnest and like so wanting to take on the work that a lot of times I forget like hey I've been doing this for a long time you know I'm worth more than this so like I actually had an interview the other day uh where I didn't get there was an editor position I didn't get it but I ended up freelancing for the site and I really like it so far but uh the woman interviewing me you know asked me what my rate was and I I just completely lowballed myself and she stopped me and said you know no the position usually starts at more than that and that's not the first time in my life I've heard that where, you know, it's like we were starting off at 25. You said 20. Come on. So it's tough. Like it really is tough wondering, you know, seeing what other uh, writers are asking for their time and trying to kind of see what you're worth in general. It's always good to, you know, shoot ahead and say, like, hey, maybe I can get 50 instead of 25. But uh, it's it, each place is just different. Interesting. That sounds like a very stressful, like kind of experience. All, like you're basically always trying to get like you're like. Not just like Greg or I, who's like, we have our job and we go and we do it. And you're like always having to be busting your butt to get new jobs and interview with people and learn new things, right? I like I do try to keep a couple uh, sites where I just write for them all the time, you know, where it's just like they know I'm there and I'm dependable. Uh, that used to be Hello Giggles. I worked for Bustle for a long time. That was a lot of fun. I had to unfortunately I had to leave them because of a toddler situation. Well, she was a, you know more of a baby at the time, but they started going into shift work, and I'm like I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do try to have like one place where it's like I am writing for them, and then I try to take on assignments from other places. So it's. It's tough, but like, you know, you can find a way to make it work. It's just you can't depend on one place because if I was just writing for one place and dedicated all my time to one place, that one place could be like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Like, or, you know, we're focusing elsewhere. We're doing something else. And that happens all the time. Sure. So I think like in pretty much the goal is like never get too comfortable. Gotcha. Does they do some, are there uh, websites that sort of must, do you have a different model where you'd be more like a, like a sal- like a Ron retainer, like a salaried employee. Do, do websites do that or like for certain star writers or is it always just like per piece, you know? Most of the time it's per piece. Gotcha. Some, some places do take on like a, like, you know, contract writer where, you know, you, they have you for a couple months or you are contracted to do a certain amount of pieces per month or some, <clears throat> something like that. But yeah, like each place is different. It's it's wild. <laughs> it's not like in a situation where it's like you reach a certain rank and you're like, okay, my salary should be this at this point. It's all about like how you market yourself and like the places that you pitch to. 
And a lot of the sites I pitch to are more of like the low, you know, the more of a content writer situation. Like I, I would ask for more if I was pitching an article to like the New York Times, you know, so it's it's that too of just like where you're actually pitching to and what they're looking for. Have you ever pitched to some like a big name like that before? Not really. And it's just because I feel I'm so I'm bad with pitches for the most part. Like I'm trying to get better, but it's hard for me to think up an idea that like I know nobody's thought of before. You know, sure. so like, you know, and, and some places do that, like, you know, like a, a personal experience story. Like I wrote one story about like uh, Thanksgiving that Greg and I went to and it was kind of like a, a personal piece. And that was nice. Um, but as far as like a yeah, New, New York Times or anything like that, I just do not have the balls. Like <laughs> <laughs> hopefully in the future, you know, that, that would be a nice thing to just put on my resume. And uh, I think a, a point of pride, you know, of just like, hey, I did this. Um, but there's some like, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of these places, uh, these pieces get syndicated and not to sound super vain, but I've Googled my name before just to see like where I pop up. And there's some sites like Sports Illustrated picked up a piece that I did. So I'm, you know, technically a writer for Sports Illustrated, even though I've never contacted, like talked to anyone from there. Um, I think people have like they've picked up a couple of my pieces before. Um, trying to think what else. It's just every once in a while you find one, you're like, oh, that's kind of odd. Like huh. I said, you know, Splitsider was bought out by Vulture, and now it says I'm a writer for Vulture, which is awesome. Yeah, really sure. Rich. Yeah, I wish I was a writer for Vulture. So, like, and that's it's just neat to see, you know, kind of how your like where your piece ends up. Huh. So, so uh, technically, like, there are some places where I'm like, oh yeah, I did technically write for them, but like, not really. <laughs> and do you get like kickbacks for that, or is it, like once you sell your piece to the company, then they kind of get all the, you know, the first they, place you sell it to, then they yeah, they get it. It's all my content is pretty much theirs. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. So how many like articles do you, do you write like, you know, a week or a month or like what, uh, what what's like a level where you consider it like a full-time job or whatever for uh, a writer? For Hello Giggles, it used to be around six, but that was a long time ago. Wow. Um, now it's kind of two or three-ish per day. If I can, like my main goal, it's so like the ebb and flow of it is so crazy that my main goal in order to not go crazy is just to say like, did I work today? <laughs> like, sure. did I get out of bed? Did I write a thing? And that thing could be like, you know, a small piece or it could be a huge piece, but like, did I do something? Um, but I think on average, probably around three. Three three articles a day? Yeah. Wow. That I'm, blows my mind. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, a lot of it is just uh, like, I write for a lot of relationship sites and that's kind of, it's like, I have a, a natural, I think, gift for relationship things. And it's funny because I haven't even been in that many relationships, but it's just kind of like, is he a jerk? Ways to tell. And it's like, you kind of think like, how many jerks have I known in my life? Hmm, a lot. You know, so I kind of try to put myself in those like, you know, different situations and stuff. But yeah, um, I can see it now. Criteria one, how many pairs of shoes does he own? Is it more than 60? (laughs) Two, how much weird giant robot anime does he watch? Three. (laughs) How much eternal does he play on a daily basis? Okay. First of all, my shoe collection is in at the most the low 50s. (laughs) I'm not cracked 60 yet. You know, in comparison, I have like five pairs of shoes and like three of them are broken. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I hold on to them because who knows? <laughs> you never know. Maybe I can clean the bathroom in these shoes. So it's, yeah, no, it, it's excessive. And they're also all over the floor. That's like five articles in my head right now. Well, I, I mean, just, they're yeah. not going to be all over the ceiling, Karen. <laughs> It's really, you know, not to get on, on a too much of a side note here, but uh, Charlotte, our two and a half year old, also loves shoes. Like mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, you know, because like shoes, 
shoes. And there's one day she like came and ran and showed me all of her shoes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you are Greg's child. Mm-hmm. It's happening. I see it now. Greg's got her on his lap. He's showing her his spreadsheet of all his shoes and the different mm-hmm. sizing requirements he has. And mm-hmm. Oh, good grief. Have you seen uh, Greg's uh, PowerPoint presentation about how suits fit? It's not a PowerPoint presentation. It's it another is. spreadsheet. <laughs> okay, here we go. So Karen and I are going to attend a gala in November. Uh, Our very first gala. Which is has listed on the invitation as black tie optional. And like, I'm not going to take the option. So... I'm I've been shopping on eBay for a uh, a secondhand tuxedo because most tuxedos, even, you know, even really, really good ones. Most people only wear them one, two, maybe three times in their life. So a a secondhand tuxedo you buy is essentially new. But if you're you know, if you if you know what you're looking for, you can maybe find a $8,000 tux for $200. Um, But in order to successfully shop for a tailored jacket on eBay, you need to know the the measurements of the jacket compared to jackets you own um, because it's it's more complicated than like buying a pair of jeans where it's just, you know, waist and and length. So, yeah. I had us have a spreadsheet that catalogs various tuxedos that are available on eBay and how much they deviate from other jackets in my existing collection. There's and like 10 pictures of him just looking all like angry. Like he oh, looks like the Greg angry face. I saw him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and so of course I did take pictures of myself in the jackets that I currently own so that I can say, okay, what does an 18 inch shoulder look like on me? You know, of all my jackets, what chest measurement looks best? This is, I am not a crazy person. I don't know about that. Just thorough. Yes. (laughs) Very thorough. And of course I'm going to assign a numeric score to each jacket um, based on how much in the seven or eight different measurements it has, it deviates from the ideal jacket uh, and then weight that score against a numeric score based on its relative quality on a scale of one to five. I mean, I'm just being a normal human being here. I'm you not like, a crazy person. Yeah, you like a good project, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, um, they're a crazy person. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, Look, but I can't complain because you help me with clothing because I am the opposite, the literal opposite of you. Where I'm just like, it's a T-shirt. Cool. It's got my, the band I like on it. Uh, that's that's enough, right? That's where I'm at right now, too. I'm starting to collect <laughs> band T-shirts again and like uh, kind of like get back into my WIXQ days. Gotcha. And yeah, because why not? Right. I am who I am. Yeah. Sometimes also, again, I, work, I work from home, so I can wear jeans. So that's true. Uh, I wish I could not dress up for work. A lot of people take it like they assume that when you work at home, like that you're just in PJs all day. But I'm like, I feel like personally I would have given up. Like when I first started working from home, it was 2014 and I was like full time. Like I quit my job and I started doing this and I kept like I kept wearing skirts and stuff because I'm like, that's what I'm comfortable in. I feel like I could take myself more seriously. And then the time I kind of declined a little bit into the jean life, but I would never take that step to PJ life. Oh, I'm full PJ life when I'm working from home. I just because I feel like if I'm in my PJs, I'm like, I could just take a nap. And here's the thing. When you also work from home with a toddler, you can do that and justify it. <laughs> true. Well, and and your work from home life is a little bit different than um, like if Andrew or I 
quote unquote, work from home, you know, we're paid for the day, whether we get a lot of work done or get a lot of video games done. Um, And in case our bosses are listening, we're always working the whole day. This is a completely hypothetical situation. If my boss is listening, I'm never working any days again. (laughs) Um, uh, But you, Karen, have to like, if you basically just kind of get a slow start or, um, you know, uh, you know, decide that, uh, you know, you want to run some errands, that's potential income you, you lose. So you have a much different perspective. So that idea of like, I have to get up and get dressed for work and get ready. That helps you, you know, um, you know, make sure you're being productive. Whereas, you know, those of us who are just on a regular salary, we don't have that kind of pressure. Exactly. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Greg, uh, I don't mean to digress from digression, but I was, I told you, and, and this is funny, that our, we have a new person in charge of our office at work and a new associate dean. And it was revealed at a lunch meeting for like a welcome lunch that he is a big fantasy nerd. Oh, yeah. And it, we instantly we started talking and, and, you know, going back and forth as our books or whatever. And I had that moment of like, Oh, I should recommend my pot. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, it'd probably be fine, but no, 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 no. no. It's, when you have a podcast like that, it's one of those things where it's like, you guys have been doing this for two, you know, and a half, three years, right? Like three years. Yeah. Cause I remember I was like medium three years pregnant, fall, I think yeah. when you started. Yeah. So like, it's one of those things where you had so many episodes that you might've forgotten if there was like a throwaway line or something, or he said something that you wish you didn't in like episode five. Oh yeah, <laughs> where, totally. Where if they start like, oh, this is the podcast. Oh, you know, and it's, it's tough to rescreen all of that. For me, it's more <laughs> about people judging me and my association with what Greg would say, but you know, that's not your hero. I remember Andrew, you said like, like a couple years ago, you're like, I want to start a podcast where it's just like, we, we try to talk about like the, the initial meeting of like Greg. Cause I guess when you guys started, Greg was very like negative oh, and yeah, yeah. it was kind of like a, like an angel and devil podcast. <laughs> Greg angered a lot of people with his opinions. That's and that true. is, I think like sometimes when you first meet Greg, that happens, you know, yeah. but as time goes on, you're like, oh, he's just a lovable guy. So he's just a lovable guy I full of opinions. Disagree. And suits. <laughs> I disagree with this characterization of, of me. <laughs> I yeah, well, I avoid telling anyone in my professional life about the podcast because and generally I try to avoid talking about any of my interests outside of work because mm-hmm. I have been trapped too many times in a situation where, you know, you know, oh, you know, word gets out of like your taste and people are like and and then, you know, you meet somebody new and they're like, oh, I heard you're into heavy metal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And then they're like, oh, I'm like really into it, too. And it's like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> and then talk about like Metallica. Like, yeah. Oh. Or like five finger death punch. And I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, I can't I can't have this conversation in a way that is going to benefit our relationship. I I just dump their books. Yeah. (laughs) Just shove them into a locker. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's funny because like, you know, Greg and I, we do 1995, the podcast, which is just, you know, talk about movies from 1995. And we have like 30 episodes maybe at this point. And uh, like, I have been promoting it because I feel like that's like a thing I can use in a portfolio someday. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you got to get your name out there of like, you know, like, oh, I also run this. Like having a podcast would be 
big because I think a lot of writers have podcasts or they have yeah. something else. Like it's a like video a checkbox now if you're a creative person, right? Like exactly. everyone's got a podcast. Probably too many people have podcasts. We might be in that category. No, knows, but- we're not. <laughs> we are not uh, comics trying to fill out their schedule. That's true. Um, ironically, I am the opposite, completely opposite of Greg. I Any chance anyone will get, without being obnoxious, I will talk about my interests. And people, I think, who have similar interests, I've recommended podcasts. And some of the biggest reality alternative fans are like co-workers see that's that is a level of courage that i do not have um but also i think there's a there, there might be a difference here you work for a university it's true it's a very different you environment. are surrounded by nerds and dweebs that's true i work in the corporate headquarters of a grocery store which means i'm surrounded by business school lisa simpson nerds <laughs> and like grizzled veterans who like unpacked bananas for 25 years before they got called up to the big show like i this is not a zone where like let's yeah we're really gonna get into a cool conversation about um you know uh joe abercrombie like nope nope wrong audience well those people probably also think that like dungeons and dragons is like a dark game that like you know (laughs) makes you makes you a villain yeah, if they find out about Dungeons and Dragons, then they're going to know I'm a Satanist. And and again, that's not a conversation I really want to have at work. <laughs> uh, don't worry, people, I still get judged. Just uh, yesterday at work, um, our this new associate dean came and said, "Oh, Andrew, by the way, I finished uh, Wise Man's Fear last night." Oh God! And then he said. That ending was terrible. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. And then my cube mate, who's a good friend. And sometimes I was listening to the show, was just like, oh, my God, are you guys going to do this forever? <laughs> Stop talking about nerd shit. It's not just the ending of that book that's terrible. Correct. Every but anyway, <laughs> we've been there. We've done that. Uh, so along those lines, Karen, like how do you sort of uh, sort of when it comes to like your friends and family because your work is accessible in a way that Gregor or I's work is not like, do you promote it to people you think would like it? Or do you sort of have a line somewhere? I guess you, sometimes you share things on Facebook, but obviously you're not sharing every article you write on Facebook yeah. or, or no, I, I didn't want to like, you know, it's always important to promote yourself, but like, I don't want to be that annoying person who's like, look at the stuff I wrote. Look, look, put it on the fridge. You know, like it's just, especially the amount that I have to write. So the stuff that I do share on Facebook is the stuff that I'm really proud of. Like the stuff where I read it, I'm like, this is funny. Or like I had fun writing this. Like usually the like every once in a while a story comes about where I'm like, this is great. Like two of the most recent ones I've shared. I read for a site, uh, site called So Yummy and it's food focused. And uh, one of them, they asked me like, they asked all the writers at the time, like, is there anyone who wants to do a serious food challenge? Like you ate so like only one thing all week, blah, blah, blah. And I like that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm down for this. So they're like, cool. What do you want to write about? And at first it was going to be like macaroni and cheese like eating macaroni and cheese three meals a day. But then Greg actually suggested Hot Pockets because there's uh, yes. a lot of varieties of Hot Pockets out there. So you can never really get bored with it. So Greg and Greg joined in on the challenge for dinners too, like where he ate Hot Pockets for dinner for a week. But I did breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it first two days like sucked. And then like at the end, I kind of liked it. And I could still <laughs> eat Hot Pockets without vomiting, which is wonderful. But like I had so much fun with that. Like it was an experience and it was something that I did. And like I could, you know, share it with the world. I'm like, this is a ridiculous, dumb thing that you shouldn't do. But I did it. And, you know, like I shared that one because I thought that was a lot of fun. And another one I shared recently was about the history of Chuck E. Cheese because it's hilarious. And I love stuff like that. I love like dumb history of mascots 
and like just old like 90s 80s mascots in general like the burger king kids club i can't get enough of them like what happened to them i want to know so like those things are like weird interests of mine of just crazy nostalgia so i had fun with that chucky cheese story and i shared that one but like overall i maybe share like one story every two months yeah on average because i don't, I don't want to be annoying i don't want to be like you know like click my things. I think that's almost as bad as like an MLM. Like, hey, look at my wonderful sure, beach body. Yeah. You know, like it's just, <laughs> people get tired of it after a while. Um, you should write articles about MLMs. That would be good. <laughs> uh, um, my uh, my wife is a big fan of the anti MLM subreddit, and just as always, just talking about how terrible MLMs are because being a person on social media, you start to see it places and you're like, Oh no, it's everywhere. It's bad, especially for women. Because like, I don't think you guys get targeted as much by like old friends, but all of a sudden I get like a message from someone I haven't talked to since middle school. And they're like, Hey, how are you? It's great to talk to you. Listen, I just got into essential oils and they changed my life. And I figured, (laughs) I thought of you, like, you did not think of me. Like, come on, you know, you're just messaging a list. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's a shame that, like, women are still conned into this. And, yeah. uh, like, they really think they're going to, like, hit it big. Uh, and the big one, too, uh, especially having a kid now is, I guess, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Us Born or U.S. Born, it's uh, kids' books. And I love kids' books, and, you know, we, we buy a lot of kids' books. But this is, like, a, a kids' book MLM, and it's upsetting. Like, of Oh. Exactly. So I got in a couple of those, like, hey, I love books. Do you love books? Because books are a thing in my house now after joining this terrible MLM that's going to suck my soul away. You should join me for an online party, you know? And it's just, I usually ignore them because I don't want to be mean to them. Like, and if they want to fa- like fail at this on their own time, that's fine. You know, like I know that they're, they're hustling in a bad way. Yeah. They feel like, you know, and especially for if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's like money can be very tight. Yes. Yeah. Because kids like, are expensive as shit. So. And the way they target, you know, like, oh, you're going to be a business owner. They always use that phrase God. and that you're going to like, you know, uh, like be independent and, you know, contribute to your family and all this like terrible, like shaming kind of stuff. And it's, ugh, it's terrible. Be a hashtag boss, babe. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Well, we, we could probably rant about this all day. Although oh, I, I, yeah. This is I, a whole other <laughs> podcast. Also, by the way, I'm just going to point this out here. Uh, since this format seems to be working pretty well for the three of us, I do think that we should do the podcast of uh, Let's Be Talking About Let's Be Cops at some yes. point. Yes. Yes. Which uh, for those of you who uh, might not have heard 1995, the podcast, I love the movie Let's Be Cops. It's goofy and it's dorky and fun and has Jake Johnson in it. And I like to mention it. It's my goal to name, like to drop it in whenever I can. And Greg has not seen it in its entirety at all. He's walked in on, on like parts and been like, are you watching Let's Be Cops again? But then Andrew came up to me and said, like, I would like to do that podcast with you, Karen. And I'm like, that would be wonderful. So I think like maybe we could just, you know, get get things, ta- you know, get things started for a future podcast of like we already have the name of the podcast. That's the yeah. hardest part. And so can we just do a single episode podcast? Like we go through the whole effort. We get a logo. We do like get a, <laughs> the hosting, the whole thing. It's just one episode. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of like there have been a lot of people who have like had failed podcasts and they do that where it's like, you know, <laughs> like I feel like some people would assume that something went terribly wrong. Or there's a, what is it, the the McElroy brothers, right? Where they have, uh, they watch Paul Blart 2 every year. Oh, gosh. You can revisit Let's Be Cops every year. So uh, it's like, you a know. A once a year podcast? Yes. I like see this. if it got better, which it probably did, you know. Yeah, I imagine it does. I mean, it's got Jake Johnson. It's got to be fine. Thank you. Um, Greg, you've been really silent recently. I don't want to talk about Let's Be Cops anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's bad, and you know it's bad. It's not bad. It's good. It's funny. 
Uh, for those of you, I, I will do a, a, and a more objective plug. A 1995 podcast is really good. Uh, I listen to it. It's great fun. It's a little bit, uh, better put together than reality alternatives, probably. Cause Karen, I think, takes a very, you know, a guiding hand. I do. I edit it. Like I, yeah. I just kind of, so like there's a lot of like, ums and buts. I say like a lot, you know, we, and all, we all do. We yeah, all do. There's certain times where I just like focus on a part of audio where I'm like, it. I'm like, wow. It's like, <laughs> I, like at the time, you know, this all made sense, but in this one particle, I could sound a lot clearer, but no, thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's well, it's well produced. And, um, I wanted to ask though, was when you and Greg did the Logan episode, mm-hmm. did that, was that a, a play, like a factor at all? And you deciding, like, did you enjoy talking with Greg about the movie and said, Hey, we should, was it a, a factor at all in your decision to start that podcast? Oh, or? totally. I was so jealous of your podcast in general. Like, Aww. yeah, no, because I think that anyone who's worked in college radio before, like, has that, like, they want, they like the mic. They like talking. They like producing something and creating something. And I think, like, you know, we're all creative people. So when I heard that, like, you know, you and uh, you and Greg had the podcast, I'm like, jealous. And I'm like, I wish I could get into podcasts. And then when I was asked to do an episode, that was really fun. Like, it was just... You know, again, I had big shoes to fill, so it's just. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just assumed I'm like, oh, nobody's gonna listen to this one, but, uh, (laughs) but like, I I got got to thinking of like, this could be a thing, and I think a lot of it too of like one of the reasons I wanted to do it was because when you have a kid, like you have the the, you want to be creative, but also when you have a kid, your time together doesn't like doesn't sync up as well. Cause you're both exhausted. So I felt like the podcast was kind of like a forcing Greg and I to like, let's watch movies together, you know, mm-hmm. and like, let's have fun with it. And let's like create something from that. And uh, I think that worked too. I think that like, it was just like a nice thing. Like, Hey, let's do a podcast tonight. And you know, it's very easy to schedule. Cause we have like pretty much the same schedule. Sure. <laughs> if something happens with the kid, like we all, you know, we're both on the same page. So, but yeah, no, it's been just a lot of fun. And I do think that in doing that Logan episode, I'm like, yes, I miss this. I really do. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I have a question about sort of like, so, you know, you said you some of the food things, which I always enjoyed. I love the articles you did on, you like tried all the flavors of Peeps and I mean, like all the flavors of Oreos. Like, I love those. Oh, those boy. are great. Those were difficult weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I always bring Greg along for those, you know, to. Yes. But you have to, say, you have, to have a second opinion, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys sometimes are feeling awesome after all those. <laughs> well, the, the Peeps one, I was, I was pregnant during that. Uh, and that was like, I, so I felt extra sick. <laughs> but I love like that is one of the like I, put, I have that in my resume like when people ask for clips a lot of times it's like that one because I'm like it's fun it's colorful you know it's innocent you know so I, right. I, like that's another one where like I, I promoted it because it's like I like this <laughs> I like writing about stuff like this well and now we're on the mailing list for Peeps's PR people so yeah oh great like, we haven't gotten a box in a while but like oh, for a while it's, it's like it's it's like every they do we usually oh no we got a Easter box. They usually do one at Easter and then like one Christmas. around Christmas. Um, and those are, they're trouble, Andrew. It's just a big <laughs> box of all the peeps. Gross. <laughs> and sometimes I know, like, uh, I did get to write about, like, they send them over, you know, it's like, are you interested? And it's like, hell yes, I'm interested, you know, because free samples are fun. Sure. <laughs> free food samples are fun. But then I, I did get a chance to write about, I think it was the pancakes and syrup peep. Oh. It was actually, you know what? Like we had the same reaction at first, just thinking about it. It was better than you'd assume. They, they okay. did. Yeah, it wasn't like a sugary mess. Like they really, it was like a light. It was pleasant. And I'm not a big, like a huge, like maple fan. So yeah, me neither. Yeah, 
Uh, well, that's really interesting. I, as a person who loves food, you got me thinking like I just missed my career opportunity just to like eat and write about it. But I'd probably be like a thousand still pounds. Time. There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. Well, if we ever need a, a co-writer on a, a eating something terrible, um, <laughs> you know who to call. Uh, <laughs> so, how would you say the breakdown is of like the kind of topics or genre, not genres, but like you know topics you write about is like fifty percent food, fifty percent TV recaps, like or you said remote, uh, relationships, like. What would you say on average right now, like your kind of break up breakdown is? Let's see. I'm, I've started writing for little things like, you know, little things.com just this week, pretty much. And they're more about they're focused around parenting and pets and um, like DIY home stuff, mm. which I think is like the most fun to write about. Like it's a perfect fit for me. I write for So Yummy and that's food stuff. Um, I, I write for Zeusk, like the dating app. They have a site called The Date Mix. I write for them. I write for a site called The Bold. It's actually just bold now. It started out The Bold and they they dropped it. <laughs> and that's like, so I think two relationship sites. And I write for a prime timer, which is TV. Um, and then a couple one-offs. Like I'm kind of writing for Business Insider, but like some parenting pieces. Um, so I would say right now it's kind of like one half relationships and a fourth parenting and one fourth dating, probably. Like food and food too. Like, you know, those are more like the food articles I'm getting now are like kind of celebrity based as well. Mm. Like I just did one like food that Heath Ledger ate. And that was a tough one, you know, because, you know, it's not like, you know, he passed away so long ago and, you know, like a lot of the resources and the listicles and the fun stuff like wasn't really available then. So it was, I had sure. to like look up articles about like where he, like restaurants he might've gone to, or, you know, I guess when Michelle Williams got pregnant, Heath Ledger said he gained like 20 pounds of sympathy weight. And I added that in there too. Just like he ate a lot of pizza around that time. Hmm. So it was like an in-depth kind of, you know, taking an idea and then just trying to pull resources and learn all you can about it for one list. So interesting. Yeah. It changes up a lot every day. Like, yeah, I imagine it does. Yeah. Where it's like, I wake up and I kind of think like, what do I have? going on today like what's due and it's just like kind of a mental checklist and i don't write anything down which is really stupid but like i just i depend on my brain and it's worked out so far which is great wow that's a lot to keep up there when you're yeah. writing most articles a day we used to have a wipe off board like a you know a wipe off board for all this stuff and then we haven't since we moved to annapolis like two years ago we haven't put it up and i'm just <laughs> i don't need it i'm fine yeah. So you fall in the rhythm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like it becomes routine. You develop your own routine as to like timing and what gets done when and who to contact when. So it's like once you get a knack for it, once you fall into that routine, you're you're good. How do you uh, balance like when you if you're writing for TV and you have to watch an episode or a whole season, like how do you sort of maintain like focus on that or balance like or do you say like I'm working now, I'm going to watch TV for six hours or like what is, you know. <laughs> A lot of things for TV, it's about uh, like what people are interested in premieres. So uh, sometimes the TV sites get screeners beforehand. So you can kind of like see an episode or two and write about it beforehand. Other times you just have to keep an eye as to like when an anniversary might be or when a premiere date might be. Like, you know, I just wrote about Keenan Thompson and SNL's going to be new this week. So it's a kind of a timely article. So, you know, people might be looking up SNL. They'll find this article about Keenan. And that's that. Uh, it's very rare that I've had to actually like talk about a whole season at a time. Gotcha. Uh, sometimes it's kind of like if you watch an episode or something, especially if streaming, like if you watch something, there's a couple shows on Netflix I've written about. And it's like you watch an episode, like episode two, the day it, premier it streams. And then you think of a pitch about that of like this one scene really meant a lot. And you pitch it. And a lot of times it's like, can you get in by tomorrow? And you can. And it's it's timely in that way. 
But there's certain shows that like, they're just classic shows that people really like. Like, even though I know a lot of people aren't watching The Simpsons as much, a Simpsons piece would still do good because people still in general like The Simpsons or like Gilmore Girls. Like, you know, I've, I'm on my like 90th rewatch of the show in the background and I can still think up pitches and good ideas. Like for one, I'm not going to steer this into Gilmore Girls, don't worry. But I found like the relationship between Lane and Luke to be very interesting near the end of the show. And it's one that a lot of people don't talk about. So that was, it wasn't accepted, but that was one of my pitches at one point of like, can we talk about that relationship of the fact that Luke kind of became like a father figure to Lane and Zach near the end. Um, So it's, you know, with with iconic shows that you watch again and again, you can always see it from a different lens each time. Sure. So, so a lot of times like, you know, those pitches go, if it's a show that's always, you know, an office, friends, Mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls, I guess a show like that, that will always kind of be topical. Yeah. Endless well. Yes. Uh, So when it comes to writing, like, is it always you coming up with an idea and pitching it to a site or do they sometimes give you ideas or assignments or a lot of the sites are assignment based. Uh, I prefer that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, it's like, Oh, I can go do this now. Thanks. Exactly. Uh, so it's kind of like a half and half, but there are a bunch of them that I have to pitch. And sometimes like the ideas just flow or like, you know, like you're trying to go to bed at night and you all of a sudden think of like five great ideas and you're like, I hope I remember them in the morning. And <laughs> you don't, but uh, it really is. It's a mixed bag. I think that a lot of sites want you to pitch first just so they know that you have original ideas. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times if you're in the rotation, then they'll start giving you assignments to do. So it is important to learn how to pitch. It's just stress. <laughs> gotcha. So as a transition a little bit, do you have any advice for people like looking to get into this field, especially in the day of like, like you said, everyone's got a podcast starting a website so easily, so, so easy, so accessible. I mean, there must just be a flood of people trying to make this a career or a side gig or, or whatever. So like, how do you, how would you recommend someone to stand out or approach it? I think the most important thing is that you have to have samples. Like even if it's just something that you wrote, like something you wrote for school or just like something like an article that you thought of, but doesn't really have a home. Like you need to have an example to show someone of like, this is how I can write. And I think also just the patience because like I did get lucky in like happy to know someone, but like a lot of it was just me off the bat from there, like taking my samples and forming a network and keeping in contact with that network and like meeting, meeting people and seeing what's available and always looking for jobs. So I think a lot of people just assume it's easier than it is. Like it's, not, it's definitely not like the hardest job in the world, but it does take a lot of patience and it takes a lot of rejection and it takes like a lot of uh, worry as well of just like, will I get a paycheck this month? <laughs> and yeah. how much will it be? Um, I admit right off the bat, I could not do this job without having Greg's income as well. Like the two of us together. Uh, I think if both of us kind of had like a, a shaky source, it would be a lot harder. Sure. And I'm yeah. very upfront with him too, of like, I got have a bad vibe about this month. Like, you know, we try to keep community like in, you know, chats with him about like what's going on. And also like, you know, you have to be willing to work nights sometimes. Uh, I, in my job, like, you know, it is fun because I can set my own schedule, but I also, I don't get holidays or paid time off. Um, if I'm sick, I'm still working. So it's kind of like, you're always on. And yeah. so like in order to really succeed, you have to be dedicated towards that of just saying like, you know, after a while, like, you know, if you have steady gigs, you can set your own hours a little bit, but especially in the beginning, you have to kind of be where like <laughs> you have to take your nights and spend them towards writing. Like, uh, especially like if you write award show coverage or something that requires kind of live news and live action, you have to spend that time to do that. So it's a lot of dedication there. But again, number one uh, is clips. It's just showing you can write. It doesn't matter what your topic is. There's always an avenue and there's always a website that will have that kind of content because the internet is a wonderful place like that. So 
I have a personal request for advice. Sure. How do you like overcome writer's block? I've had to write a lot for school. Like I have two graduate degrees, like as a history major, writing was just something we did. Had to like reteach myself how to write in late, late, you know, undergrad, early grad school. And it's a very different kind of writing than, you know, writing for for media, but, um, I all, and now working on the website and working on my first article, I'm just like, man, this is hard. Like, how do you just like, especially when you have to do it and turn it around so quickly, like I'm kind of overanalyzed and just tend to like keep going back and changing things and changing things. Like, how do you just like turn your brain off and write or turn your brain on and write? I don't know how to describe it, but you have to get outside of your head a little bit. Cause I think that like, when you start writing, you just get so into it and you worry about screwing up. Um, a lot of the writing I do is conversational. Like if you read a piece I wrote, it's kind of like I'm talking to you. And I find that to be a little bit easier. And I think that if you have writer's block, you just got to get started. And even if it's like really crappy in the beginning, just write it. And then you always have time to go back. And oftentimes what I do is I write out the whole thing and then I go right back to the beginning and I read it out loud to myself. And that's important too. And Greg's actually walked in on me talking to myself many times and it's very like uncomfortable of like, I'm working, I swear. (laughs) But like you need to be able to talk it out loud and see if those sentences make sense that you write or see if you overused a word once or twice. Yeah. And then you kind of get into that habit. But the truth of the matter is, is that like your writing is always better than you you might assume. I think that like as a writer, I am my own worst critic. Uh, You'll have certain people who edit it and look it over who it's just not their voice and that's fine. Cause it's an art, you know, like not everyone likes the same music, but as I, as far as writing goes, like once you develop your own style, you just kind of, it gets a little easier, but it's always, again, just start like where it's like, okay, here's my topic. How would I like talk to Greg about this topic? How would I talk to you, Andrew, about this topic? You know? And then I just write that out and then the rest kind of flows. And then again, looking over it, does this make sense? Gotcha. So just not, don't put as much pressure on yourself, I think, because, yeah, writing is tough. But I think that once you get started, you get you find that flow. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's hard because, you know, my all my writing experience was for school. So pressure was on to, you know, make sure it was getting a grade and meeting expectations and all these different things. But, you know, it's like it's a little less pressure. It's in some ways it's more because it's like more people are going to read it than just that professor grading mm-hmm. it. Right. But it also has like less impact on my life because it's just something I'm doing for fun and not something that's going to potentially like get me kicked out or lose my scholarship or something ridiculous, right? Like <laughs> You will type up an article and then the whole website will just shut down. Be like, listen, it's, no. It's distinctly possible. <laughs> no, I, I do think that like I have not read anything that you've written, but you are an intelligent guy and you're great with conversation. So that tells me that you're going to be a better writer than you probably think you are. So you just have to, you know, get it out there and give it a shot. Like, you know, you guys have built, even with this podcast, you've like built an audience just based on your ability to discuss things. And it's very similar to writing. So well, thanks. I appreciate yeah. the kind words. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did Greg die? Like I still. He might be dead. I kind of took it I'm over because not- it's all his questions were nonsense. So. I, they weren't nonsense. I, <laughs> no, I, I want to I hear one of Greg's questions. I'm curious. Come on. Oh, I'm supposed to read it or is oh, well, no, to say no, it? I think it's better okay. if you read it, Andrew. <laughs> All right. This question says, now that Greg has lost weight, weight, will you let him buy another leather jacket? Because the one he bought earlier this year is too big. Question mark. <laughs> okay. That jacket was expensive. <laughs> that was... <laughs> I, I, can you tailor leather well? Um, like, can you take it to a tailor and, like, get it shrunken down? You, you can take it to a special leather worker, maybe. A leather man? Then you should take it to a leather maybe man. Maybe you man. should take it to a leather man. I feel like you just bought that jacket like two months ago. It wasn't two months ago. It feels like two months ago, though. (laughs) And it's a nice jacket. I've seen it. It's in your spreadsheet, too. You know, 
Okay. So, um, answer is no. Hmm. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> well, now she said it for the for the whole world to hear, so it's definitely going to have to stay now. You can't go back on your. I think, okay, if Greg got that jacket maybe five years ago, yes. But this was a very like I you know as a calculated purchase. He like tried really hard. He did all the research on it, and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And uh, I think he's worn it like three times. Wow, that's she's not really accurate. throwing some shade at you. That's not accurate. I say this with all the love in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we can talk more. We're about, about to celebrate it our off the air. Uh, in in three days. We're about to celebrate our seventh year of married life together. So we're going to change the subject. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, seven years—the leather jacket anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> that's totally what it is. Leathers, you're seven, right? Yeah. Uh, great. Do you have any actual questions for Karen? I mean, you know, you know a lot about her. I would assume, although you are a doppelganger still. So maybe you're, this is all just a ploy to try and fill in some blanks that didn't get. That didn't transfer correctly in the process, but I, I will say his voice does normal out a little. Like I, I am now used to it, but those first couple days, man, that was tough. That for editing that podcast where you had the voice change, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I've I showed multiple people like the episode prior and the episode after, and they're just like, what the hell? <laughs> Sounds like a different person. And I had a <laughs> I had a fan I bumped into who is just like, it's not okay, man. Like it's better, it's like a hundred percent better, but like it's just it's not okay. There was, yeah, no, like there, there was kind of like, you know, the, the scratchiness of his voice, you know, like something very endearing about that. And now I think that you said, uh, Andrew, like he sounds like good now. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I like it because he always sounded like he was exasperated, which is kind of how I always expect Greg to be. <laughs> just always like in the midst of just like sighing, like, uh, yeah, I guess. Like he always kind of sounded like that. Now he's like got a bright and cheery voice. Well, and it's like, oh, gosh. Go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so actual, really genuine questions. Okay. So, Karen, episode 24 of Evangelion. Okay. <laughs> we got to talk about Kaoru, and what do you think about Kaoru? Well, as you know, I have not watched any episodes of the series, but um, what do you think about Kalu? Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, no. Um, Good transition. I do, have a, I do have a real question. Um or at least a prompt, because obviously, I mean, we're married, so we talk. So um, I hope but so. You are a woman on the Internet. Yes. Who does anything on the Internet, <laughs> which means that I'm you catch at least some degree of bullshit from shitty people on the Internet. Mostly dudes, one imagines. Uh, how do you not? Um, walk into the ocean. When I first started writing, I had a really thin skin. And that's, I guess, another tip for anyone who wants to write is that you are going to get people who hate you, people who mock you, people who think you're dumb, people who don't like what you write. You know, that's all part of it. Being a woman is really it's tough. Um, I had one person on Twitter, I wrote an article about like why the SATs might not matter anymore. And this was for Bustle like a bunch of years ago. I had a guy flood my Twitter because he was an SAT tutor which is harassment, like probably like 60 tweets. And then just my phone exploded and I blocked him, but it was still kind of scarring of just like, in this day and age, anyone can kind of try to figure, like find you if they really hate you enough. Um, but in general, I've actually been kind of lucky. Um, I think that the worst thing, I discovered it a couple days ago and I showed it to Greg kind of in a laughing way, but he got really upset and I felt bad. But there was like an incel e Reddit that read one of my pieces and pretty much told 
me that I was after my husband's money and how dare I? And I was a slut. And it's for like a relationship article. And it was something, it was stupid. It was just like a, you know, ways you could be treated better or something like that. And like, they really kind of went off. But I think it wasn't necessarily towards me. I just think it was hateful men in general of just, you know, who don't like, because when I write my pieces, it's not like a man hating, like you deserve better woman. Whoa. You know, it's like, I try to see things from both perspectives. You know, I try to have, you know, be equal partners. Like, you know, men can be shitty in relationships. Women can be shitty in relationships. You know, like I'm, my audience is the woman and I'm going to be more pro woman, but yeah, like your guy's not a, an idiot if you overreacting about something. I try to be just fair, but still people read it how they want to read it. And uh, that re- that's why I thought the whole thing on Reddit was kind of funny. But I guess looking back, it is kind of like, you know, I shouldn't have showed Greg like, hey, check out me being attacked on the Internet by some weirdos. Like, you know, that was probably not a good wife maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sucks that that happens sometimes. I'm sorry. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I imagine as you shifted to writing in like you know, a relationship area that probably is more prone to that than other areas. Yeah, I'm I know, not sure. Yeah. Other women have gotten it way worse than I have. Like, and it, I feel bad and I've seen the things on Twitter and stuff. A lot of the stuff I write in general is kind of harmless. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, softball again, like parenting and pets and stuff. Like I don't really write too much about politics or hard news or, you know, um, it's just every once in a while I've like, you know, delved into a topic I think I did a couple about like Roe versus Wade and like all of that and stuff I do believe in, but I'm not like primarily like a source of that kind of news that makes people very angry. And it's a shame that like, in a way it does scare me to get into, you know, that kind of writing because people are cruel and that shouldn't be the case. Um, So I admire the people, all the women out there who do write about that stuff because the internet is mean and people are jerks and if someone sees a woman's name on something, it is an instant target just immediately because, you know, how dare they? But uh, yeah, I have been lucky. And uh, sorry, Greg, <laughs> again for... <laughs> it's okay. Wait, no, I have a question. Do you ever like worry about my safety as a woman on the internet? I, I mean, I don't think I worry about your your physical safety. I mean, one of the things that we, we do is because you do get a fair amount of, um, you know, essentially PR companies, they want to send you something so that you might mention it. Like we get a lot of freebies that way. Mm-hmm. Um and I should point out you're very ethical and you'll you're very upfront with these places about whether or not you think you'll be able to get a piece about it and usually end up sending the thing anyway. And um, but <laughs> we have a we set up a P.O. box so that if you just kind of get blind contacted by somebody that says, give me your address so I can send you a, you know, a fancy shampoo, um, we give them the P.O. box just because. You know, you just so that we're not giving strangers on the internet y- your actual home address. Oh yeah, no, these people do get screened beforehand. Yeah, like I make sure I looked at I look at their email address, I look at the website, I make sure their picture is on the website. Yeah, and and and, uh, and because that and would it, be, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen too much. No. Where I don't like because people like to set like they want to send you free stuff all the time, and I don't want to take advantage of that because I know that they don't care. Like their job is to make contact. But also, like, if I'm like, oh, this would be great. Oh, like, I just feel like a jerk. So (laughs) there are certain things like where it's like, I might be able to eventually plug this. And I do try to plug everything if I get it and I like it. You know, if I don't like it, then it's a loss. But yeah. You need to talk to a leather jacket company. Yeah. (laughs) Get shot on the phone. Um, (laughs) But it's a but that's one of the steps we've taken just so. um, I mean, there's other advantages to having a P.O. box, um, especially when, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, Karen's getting paid by checks and our 
our mail delivery here hasn't always been the most reliable. But um, that's one of the things where so if we ever don't feel great about giving our address to a PR person, like we have an option. So yeah, I'm not really concerned about the physical safety. I think that's really the only step we've we've had to take. And that's really more probably out of an abundance of caution. Um, uh, I, I worry more about just like your emotional well-being um you know you've never really been super targeted the way some you know some women have been um but you know i worry about that i worry about you know if you read the comments or those sorts of things if you actually if you think about it like a lot of comments have been shut off of sites because it's become spam or hateful so if you look like a lot of the sites i write for they no longer have that option huh yeah I mean, people still find a way to comment like, oh, you know, yeah. Reddit or if the article's on Facebook. Uh, so it's still there, but it's not as like in your face attached to your piece. I know like Hello Giggles used to have comments and then they got rid of them. Uh, I don't think Bustle ever had comments. Um, I don't think So Yummy has comments, but you know, it's, you know, obviously they want people reading the site, but like it's more of a battle right now between like people spamming and saying like, you know, <laughs> those comments of like, my neighbor made $2,000 at home, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you know, like a lot of times the comments, like they're not as much as important, I think, as they were maybe like 10 years ago. Yeah, I could see that. I think that, I mean, I was just, I very rarely participate in comments on anything just because I, you know, like you said, 10 years ago, I was probably like, Ooh, I'll have, I'll throw my opinion. I was like, no one cares, dude, shut up. Like, but I, um, this is a digression I actually wanted to bring up earlier when you're talking about D&D, but uh, <laughs> a friend of mine and Shay's, uh, she's a teacher and she teaches for a you know pretty conservative school district in central Pennsylvania. And she wanted to start a Dungeons and Dragons club and had 15 or 20 kids who were really excited about it. And it had to go up for a school board vote. And it was denied six to three because something, something, suicide, something, something, Satanism, something, something, stranger things. And I just was like, okay. There was like a news article about it for like the whatever, you know, podunk Pennsylvania inquire or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to give these people a piece of my fucking mind. I'm like, oh, there's not any comments. Oh, well, I'm just like walked away. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe next time. Maybe next time. But... I'm still very upset about that, but anyway, well, you yeah. got to air it out now, which is good. I did. I did. But they're going to, you know, there's a, a happy end to the story that they're going to do it at a local library and not have it be officially a school sh- sanctioned club. Good. Good. But so it's important um, that those kids like, get indoctrinated into Satanism. It's true. Let's it's be honest. Important. The Satanism is the best part of Dungeons and Dragons. It's, <laughs> it's the like best an part old of wives tale, I think, about Dungeons and Dragons. Because I know my dad was in the school system for years and years. And he still, to this day, is like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons, Satanism. And it's one of those things, I just think that like that was, it's kind of like how you know, Marilyn Manson causes school shootings. You know, it's just like there was an association that somebody made that some people still believe for some reason. And it's like when you even just say the title of it, people just freak out. Yeah, it's just crazy. Because it was like, that was like, that was 30 years. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the satanic panic was a very real thing in the nineties. Um, and Dungeons and Dragons got rolled into it, but it was, it was a very real thing. And, and a lot of people had their very real lives ruined by the satanic panic. Um, a lot of, uh, educators got accused of, uh, sexually abusing children, um, as part of all of this. Uh, it was a fucked up thing. And a lot of people who grew up, well, I would say grew up who, you know, were of a news watching age during that period. Like, yeah, they, they still associate Dungeons and Dragons with 
uh, Satanism and they associate Satanism with like child sacrifice, which it is not. It's a shame. Like my cousin plays Dungeons and Dragons with a couple of uh, like just students and the kids get a lot out of it. He gets a lot out of it. And it's just like fun to read about. He posts about it. And I just think that like people don't realize that games like that, they do a lot of good. Yeah. Like, they spark creativity. And, you know, it's it's more than just, like you know, dressing up in costumes and being dark. And, and you know? it's not like, just and, and but also not just students, but um, students who have um, mental health issues. And he, he uses Dungeons and Dragons as a as a therapeutic tool for these kids as a way to help them uh, express themselves and, um, you know, um, you know, work in a group environment. And like, yeah, it's not he's not just like sponsoring like a fun, you know, like place for like school kids to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's actually like he's using this to make these kids lives better. Yeah. And he's succeeding. too, yeah. And it's great. Like, it's just great to read about and see. Yeah. It's just like I read back when we did our D&D episode, we had, we had just there was like an article floating around about um I guess Dungeons Dragons become very popular in prisons and it's, it's like been a very positive force for the most part of just like, you know, it's a quiet, low cost thing for people to do that. They get to, you know, go outside of their literal, you know, bindings and, you know, make relationships and, and problem solve. And, uh, I actually thought recently I was like, man, that would be a great, like Dan Harmon community, like esque show of just like people playing, like a, a, a Dungeons and Dragon group in a prison. <laughs> hmm. I could see it. Just uh, contact him on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Get to yeah. it. Uh, speaking of Twitter, Karen, I had a question for you. Sure. Have you, have you ever had someone like really cool, like share one of your articles or like reach like like a famous person or something like that? I don't know. I was just curious. Back in the day, like when Hello Giggles was more new. Uh, yes. I wrote a column about just like, it's called like, where are they now? And it was about a bunch of, it's like, Kind of like IMDb, like, hey, where's the cast of Full House now? What are they mm-hmm. doing? And it was a fun series. And every once in a while, someone reached out from one of the shows and said, like, thanks for including me. Because, you know, people were interested, like, really interested in the site back then because it was new and fun. Uh, but my favorite, my ultimate favorite, in which my friend Gina made a needlepoint for me of a tweet. Uh, I did one about Roswell and Colin Hanks got back to me. And wow. in the article, I made fun of, because I, I had this, like, teen dream of one day maybe Colin Hanks would fall in love with me. Sorry, Greg, because I figured that Tom Hanks would be like the ultimate father-in-law, well, you know? You're not wrong in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> so in my thing about Roswell, I mentioned like Colin Hanks, who wrote many fan letters back to, <laughs> like, you know, back when I was a teenager, he never got back to me, blah, blah, blah. And he must have read it. Like I didn't point it at him or something, but he found it for some reason. And he responded back with, sorry, I never responded to your letters. Wow. And yeah, I was like, oh, like my heart stopped. It was like my, my closest, <laughs> like, you know, experience to a Hanks ever. <laughs> and, Have you ever had like a negative experience of that? Like someone, some like C-list actor who just probably spends all day Googling their name and you like picked fun of them or something. They're like, a, a, you know, an extra on Say by the Bell or something. And like you made fun of them. They're like, no, you take that back. I don't think so. That's good. I'm glad I don't to hear think that. so. Yeah. It hasn't happened in like just in general, like the celebrity contacts haven't happened in a long time. So it's like just my memory from like 2013, 2014, 2015, a good time to be writing these kind of articles on the internet. Nostalgia was very big back then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's like, it's been a couple of years since I've heard from anybody. Gotcha. Um, I do have, there, there's a, not to, not to, you know, humble brag, but, um, Angela Kinsey followed me. She was Angela in the office. Oh. After an article I wrote and she said that we're best friends and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then she probably forgot, but she still <laughs> follows me. 
And Will Forte follows me. Oh. And it was because I plugged, he wrote this book and I found it. And I'm like, this is great. And he responded back like, thanks, Karen. And then followed me. And I'm like, oh, and those are like my, my two coolest. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, I, I think Roseanne also follows me, but I don't think that's as cool. And I had to meet no. her. Yeah. yeah not, I used not to, as cool anymore. <laughs> I used to do recaps of uh, Last Comic Standing and she was a judge. And that was before things got real crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the... We, as part of our launch, and by we, I mean I, uh, created a Twitter account for Reality Alternative. Uh, and now, because Squarespace has some nice things, we can push our episodes to Twitter. I know people use it. I have never used Twitter before in my life to this point. Um, I ha- had no interest. I still have relatively no interest. I bring it up on my phone. I'm like, what am I fucking even doing here? Like, But uh, so any um, any advice on that is good, too, because it seems like a crazy, scary place out there. Most of my followers are people who I'm pretty sure back in 2011 thought I knew Zoe Deschanel, which I don't. Uh, I was going to um, ask you if you got to talk to her or anything. No. Uh, <laughs> at one point, I got to 1,000 followers. I'm like, yeah. And then it slowly dropped off when people are like, ah, oh, she's just an average person. She's just a mom. So uh, but I'm like in the, the 900s-ish. And I, I try. I cared about all of that a lot more back in the day, but not so much now. Because I think that Twitter... <laughs> Twitter, like most social media sites, it's tough. Like you need to take breaks every once in a while. Sure. I will tell you what Twitter is great for. Uh, Twitter is great for live TV uh, events like mm. the Emmys or even the the Democratic debates. I always check Twitter to see what everyone else is talking about and like getting the jokes and the funny memes and stuff. Like it's really good to be on Twitter during those things. So those are my favorites. I fully expect at some point that Gray's going to start a Twitter account where he's just constantly watching Neon Genesis Evangelion and he's just live tweeting it, even though it's just live for him. And then when he like gets to the end of the season and the, all the movies, he just does it again. And it he, just sounds like the ravings of a crazy person. For the record, he actually did G-chat me a picture of, I'm going to say this wrong, Kaoru. That's him. Kaoru. He looks like a, a ghost Jim Halpert, I think. With yeah, hair? he was weird, uh, and he just messaged me in the middle of this because he's not listening to the episode. I am, he's he's listening on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me a picture of a pillow, one of those like weird anime body pillows with Kaoru uh-huh. uh, on it. Yep. You're welcome. Thanks, Greg. You're welcome. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> um, and since we're since we're comparing, we have five followers on Twitter, so that's pretty cool. And it will be six it's, once I follow you because oh, I didn't know about this at all. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for our uh, one of our other co-hosts we've had on here, the guest stars, um, the illustrious Michael Carsetter, because he is like a Twitter Twitter feed. Like he is like I mean, I think he does like lots of sports stuff. He so okay. He is a celebrity. Like he, I know him yeah. best as Mole Man. Um, he, he, at one point was excited, like we're at a concert and this is years ago and he was excited about my 1000 followers at the time. It was like 1001. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably because of everyone assumes I know Zoe Deschanel. And he's like, oh, I hope to reach that someday. And he did. And he excelled and all of his tweets go viral all the time. Like, I feel like he's really made it. Like he's on his way to Twitter all-star hood. And it's also the main way I contact him. I feel because I don't. Like, I haven't texted him in a long time. It's just always by Twitter. Like, if I see something, because I know he's going to check. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a brief conversation we had where I was like, do you want to run reality alternative social media? He was like, yeah. And I'm, I just never actually, like, did it. Probably should have. We'd probably be, like, world famous and buying a yacht or something. <laughs> but um, cause that's what, like, po- popular podcasters do, right? I just assume. Yachts, yes. Yeah. That, that's the end goal, right? We're, well, Greg just wants to do leather jacket. But that besides that. sounds about right. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we'll all get a yacht. We'll all wear little jackets on it. It'll be really great. Well, um, I, I feel weird calling him Michael because I never have. So I'm sorry, but Mole Man, he was going to get his own podcast at some point, wasn't he? Or does he? 
and I just haven't heard uh, it yet. I think he's had some false starts. I'm not. I'm not sure. He used to have one where he did movie reviews with some friends. That was pretty good. Actually, I mean, if we want to invite um, him into, let's be talking about let's be cops. Sure. You know? Let's be talking about let's be cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the sigh that we know and love. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Greg. It's gonna be fun. Uh, yeah, it's I fun mean, to get you out might, of your comfort zone. You guys zone. might have fun watching let's be cops. Well, that's the fun part is that like with 1995, the podcast, there's been a lot of movies that I've assumed that Greg wouldn't like that he did. So it's like maybe if you just gave this movie a chance and at least watched it. Um, yeah, like I've it. seen I've seen Let's Be Cops. <laughs> no, you have not. It's bad. No, you have not. When have you watched it? I have. I look, I'm not I'm not saying that I've sit, sat down and watched the movie cover to cover, but I have seen I have seen every piece of that movie at various points because it's always on and you're always always watching it. So I have, I have absorbed enough of it. (laughs) Why do you hate Jake Johnson so much? He's hilarious. This is not about Jake Johnson. This is about the very bad movie he made called Let's Be Cops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's weird though. It'd be weird for me though, because, because it's, he co-stars with, um, uh, what's his name? Who's the other star of that movie? Damon Wayans. Yeah, and they're in New Girl together. So I just feel like I'm just going to think it's like a random episode of New Girl. Yes. And it has that energy. Like, they're very much like their characters in that oh. movie. You know, like... Well, you're really selling me now, so it's going to yeah. have to happen. Yeah. <sighs> More size from great from the peanut gallery over there. <laughs> um, Karen, so, is there anything else you want to, like, say about being an internet writer? Is that the, like... What, what do you prefer to be called? Just a writer? I don't like, know. It's, like, I myself, sometimes it's tough. Like, you know, I've used, like, freelance writer. I've said, uh, like... It, at the heart of it, I'm a content writer. Content I write con- writer. like okay. digital content writer, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's the, the, one of the main reasons why I really did want to get into this. Aside from the love of writing, is to be able to kind of be able to s- stay at home with my kid. You know, like mm-hmm. I got into this like when Greg and I were thinking about kids, and we thought like, hey, it'd be really great one day is that I could still bring money in without being part of an MLM, and those are the only two options. It's yeah. only two options. <laughs> it's sad. Like, I know I'm part of, like, a couple of mom groups on Facebook, and it's like, I'm looking for remote work from home, and everyone's like, I'm part of scam, mixed mix scam. Like, it's all scams. <laughs> like, uh, so many people are into MLMs, and it's really upsetting. Where I'm, And I don't want to say, like, hey, I have a legit thing here, because... I don't know. It's because, you know, it's still it's tough to get into. It's tough to break into. It's not just like an anyone can do it, you know, but uh, <laughs> a little oh, practice. You know what articles you should write? What? You should write articles about like MLMs, like individual MLMs and like deep dive into them and how shitty they are. And then like interview people whose lives have been ruined by them. I mean, that sounds like a really depressing article, but like it would be a really interesting and helpful maybe. People, I feel like people who are so into MLMs, like they assume like, but not me, I'll do it. Yeah, right. right yeah, yeah, like it's it's a it's a cult kind of like where yeah. they get sucked into the idea of like your own business, your own hours. I think it would be interesting just to you know have that information out there and learn myself. But I don't think I'd be able to like <laughs> persuade anyone like not to do it. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's but, fair. But anyway, yeah, I, I forgot what I was talking about. It's just the sorry, I interrupted you with random online oh, stuff. I, I love to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun to talk about. We get Shay <laughs> on here too. We can have another side podcast. That's what you you have a podcast where you and Shay investigate MLMs and. Uh, well, Shay and I were going to have that Gilmore Girls podcast, or we we're oh, going right. to like help you guys because I think you guys were talking about doing a Gilmore episode like years ago. Yeah, it's still, it's still. We made a list; it was on there, and Greg has some weird theory about how it's some like I don't know Cthulhu Horrorland or mm-hmm. something. But yep. Yep. <laughs> so we could pick that apart. But um, it would be interesting in the context now because with the Netflix revival, but also with uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel being like a show that I absolutely love. 
as someone who doesn't absolutely love Gilmore Girls. Uh, Can I talk about that for one second? Sure. Okay. I started getting into it and I got into it late and I love the first season. Right. And it was just so good. But then I feel like the second season got very Gilmore. Mm. Like all of a sudden uh, she became very Lorelai of like, she has her own spot at this diner. And uh, there's one scene, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but (laughs) she's at this camp and her booker friend comes and poses as a plumber and like is part of the show. At the end, like where like she fits in with the other help and like I watched it like weeks, you know, weeks and weeks ago, but I was so turned off by that. And I'm like, that will not that would not happen. Like this is this has gone from like good to too whimsical for me. And I stopped watching it. Uh, interesting. See, I, I the reason I like it over Grim Rose is because it positions itself as like sort of this like somewhat stylized 1950s and like a little bit of like I wouldn't surreal is not the word I would use, but it is a little bit like whimsical and like a little bit overwritten and overwrought in the way that like Gilmore Girls is, but doesn't make sense in the context where this feels much more like fluid to me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's good. I need to go back into it. Like it was unfair for me to just kind of cut it off because I did enjoy it, but I started, to, I started thinking like they're making mids too much like lower lie a little mm-hmm. bit. Like there's too many like weird quirky similarities now that are coming out. And I just, I don't know. Well, if anything, you just got to watch it for Tony Shalhoub because he's a gem. Yes. <laughs> the best part of that show. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, we're digressing again. Uh, Greg, do you have anything else to, to add? I I mean, we've been talking about Let's Be Cops, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I love it when podcasts go in different directions. Great. We never bit. do that here. See, I, I just, I, I, I ruined everything Monsters. then. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just like the flow of the conversation of just, you know. Yeah, that's the see, fun part of Greg, it. Greg, you could still ask me questions about writing. I'm here. Well, <laughs> How about more leather jacket questions? I'm sure there's more than that one. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's really, a, I want to buy another leather jacket for the fall. So we're like all the questions focused around the leather jacket? And, and Evangelion. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Greg, I will say, like, Greg is a very interesting guy, and I'm so glad he's in my life, in which when he wants to make a big purchase, he creates a PowerPoint presentation for it, and he sits me down. And his points are funny and they're too, like, where I say something and the next slide is pretty much about his anticipated reaction that I'd have at that moment. Like, that's how well I think the two of us know each other. So what I'm saying is if you really want a new leather jacket, you got to get started on that PowerPoint. That's adorable. I think you should publish those. Another website (laughs) idea is to publish all of Greg's weird pitch meetings he has with you about making major purchases, which I assume are usually either clothing or guitars. Mm. Uh, Fairly accurate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but he has like cute like cat gifts in there too, like stuff that is like makes it adorable, like even more adorable. Like an adorable thing just pushes the limit when you know that he like selected these sweet images to put in there to try to tempt me into doing the thing. So that is just so comical because yeah. I think most couples are like you know it's like you know one person's in the shower and you just chat and you're like I was kind of thinking about maybe buying no that's not gonna happen or oh yeah sure whatever you know I always imagine Greg sitting down like gets out like one of those like extender pointy things and has like charts and graphs and then cat gifts and you know he puts on his best suit to deliver the pitch and well it's funny because he never tells me it's kind of like an I want to show you something I'm like okay and then oh. boom and it's like this like ten slide <laughs> thing which he obviously put a lot of work into and it's sure. very sweet so. That is, I mean, he definitely values your opinion and uh, thinks that he can persuade you. So, yeah, that's good. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, Karen, thanks so much for hopping on. And I feel like I peppered you with questions uh, while Greg looked at random things on eBay. Not but, true. Um, Only that one thing. 
<laughs> oh, you also looked at the Evangelion pictures to send to both Andrew and I while we were talking. Yeah, just just stuff, that so. thing. Just that thing. He definitely wasn't looking for his tux. Anyway. <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> Uh, well, thank so, you for yeah. having me on, though. It's been an honor. Like when Greg said, like, like, hey, Andrew wants to have you on the podcast. I was like, oh, really? Like it was just, you know, it was very sweet. So thank you. Yeah. And part of the part of the impetus for starting the website was to also open up for other collaborators. Um, so now I don't know. I don't know if we could pay you. I'm sure Greg can pay you in like hugs. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I definitely but you if know, you ever wanted to write something and you know you didn't want to pitch it to somebody or something just for fun that's nerd shit related. Um or I can, de- I can definitely help you guys you know, out. I'd help you if, out with a SEO search engine optimization uh, to make yes. sure that you're on the Google. I talk about it that at work and I hate it. But um yes, uh or also but for other listeners, if you if you have something you wanna have like a column on our website about something you wanna talk about um you know why Greg should like Gilmore Girls? Oof. Like, bring it on, man! Like, we're we're here. Hey, what kind of? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, for your site, what? Like, do you have an angle at all, or just like random fun stuff, like nerdy stuff? But um, I think to start, I think Greg's not to spoil it, but I think Greg's first article is about his movie review system, which <laughs> listeners of 1995 the podcast will be familiar with. Oh, um, it's complicated. It's not complicated. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It is. It's, you've explained this like on every. Like, let's say half the podcast. You go over how your system works. I still don't get it. Uh, <laughs> and so I think Greg said he's he'd like to re- to have some space to review movies out of the focus out of the scope of the podcast to you know some random C horror movie he found on Netflix that he knows I'm never going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can review. Um, to start, I my first article is going to be um, metal focused. Uh, first series is going to be uh, my first article is because Greg and I are similar in this way where we like to systematize and operationalize everything we do in our lives. Uh, my first article is just, is trying to break down what is a subgenre in the metal space. Ooh. And then all the various ways you can approach it. And then my follow up articles in this um, context will be basically deep dives into different metal subgenres. That's you know, neat. the history, the components that make it up, you know, bands, we Spotify playlists, these kind of things. So that's going to be the start, but we'll see where things go. Obviously, so, the podcast has taken an organic route, so as will the website. So are you going to announce the URL or is that yeah, to Yeah, we come? should probably get that out there. We should probably get that out there. Uh, it Greg? is... Um, so I'm going to start this out by saying, you know, when when you're buying a domain, it it's tough out there. It's not 1998 anymore, and there aren't as many <laughs> .coms as there used to be. Um, so with that said, I would like to direct you all to realityalternative.space. <laughs> okay, it's not no, bad. It's, I thought yeah, it was, well, yeah, it's not no, like, like it's, the way you set that up. Know, I thought it was going to be like like rea one t. Yeah. You know, like that's that's what I was thinking. No, we 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 looked at dot pizza. That was a pretty <gasps> like good one. There's just other really good dots out there. You want to check them out. But uh, here's here's my. I think we came to space for a few reasons. One, it kind of makes sense because we're on Squarespace as our hoster. You know, and since every podcast I listen to uses Squarespace as a sponsor, Squarespace, it would be a match made in heaven. You want to make us, you know, be a sponsor. We're right here. Um, two, we talk about space a lot. Sure. Three, we're viewing it as a space oh, Jesus. for creative outlet about nerd stuff. I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. Those were definitely things that we were intentionally thinking about when we chose it, not things I'm attaching to it after the fact. Just to be clear. 
<laughs> I, uh, last year I started my own website and it's, I have not updated it since I had some like weird back problems, but it was a uh, bestrecapever.com. And I'm really surprised I got that URL in this like day and age, you know? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, realityalternative.com and .net and some other variations of it. This person was very thorough is a, uh, I'm going to say, what's the best word? Porn? Amateur. It's not, well, it might be porn. Um, <laughs> I haven't read it yet. Everything uh, might be porn. It really depends on yeah. whether or not you take it in the bathroom with you. Right. Um, the, it's like a basically like alternate reality romance novels, like self-published romance novels. Space erotica. I don't think it's space erotica, but the, the covers look like something you'd, find in like a grocery store listen now um, i have to look okay. i know you do i knew the second yeah. i said it, you're gonna okay. go through this up and then you're gonna your articles are probably just gonna be just all reviews of these books now so um however this person i'll give them their credit for their seo and their uh their internet um domain tracking they were very thorough so it left us with less options than i would have liked but <laughs> here we are it okay what stinks is the fact that like technically the, this uh woman writer it's reality alternatives which exactly. bought both domain names. Yeah, she was very thorough. Is science fiction with heart. Yeah, uh, whatever that means. Okay, you know, yeah, probably some light erotica. Maybe like, yeah, I don't know. I, I fully expect <laughs> in a month that you're going to be like, I've read every book she's ever written, and here's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I can, can I write a column on your website about her books? Oh, God. <laughs> Just so we need to confuse people about the domains yeah. even more. <laughs> Check and mate. Yes. Oh, she's a blog. Oh God. Yeah. This yeah, is what I'm happens. Gonna, this yeah. is why. This, so everyone, this is why Karen is such a good content writer because <laughs> Very once with she, research. yeah, once she goes down in the rabbit hole, there is no uh, cavern left unexplored. Oh yeah. No, I found some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, my night is going to be looking at the site. Okay. And uh, my Kindle works again, which is great, which means I'm probably going to download a lot of it. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, Karen, do you have anything else you'd like to plug personally? We always give our guests uh, an opportunity, you know. It's neat. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter and maybe try to get me back up to 1,000 <laughs> followers, <laughs> I'm a Karen E. Bells. I used to be kittens on Vespas, but like once you get to a certain level, it's like, I should probably just try to claim my real name. And Karen Bells is taken. Um, And I guess the big thing is the podcast, which you've already plugged gloriously throughout this whole thing. So it's 1995, the podcast. It's uh, Greg and I talking about movies. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. um, And it's available on iTunes. Or wherever else you download podcasts. Wherever else you podcast. (laughs) Yes. As people say. Um, Speaking of pocket casts, the one I use is free now. So that's cool. Ooh. Um, for Android users out there. Uh, But yeah, so great. Well, thanks, Karen. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. 